1.7. You're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys Show on WRSC with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor D. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And you are listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to start off with a little bit of a different topic. The college football playoffs have been announced. We wanted to talk to you guys about some of the controversy that's been happening with that and what the future of college football is going to look like after this season. From there, we're going to hit the halfway point. After that, we're going to talk to you guys about who we think are going to be what the current NFL rookies are going to turn into. After that, we'll give you guys our award predictions, and then we'll talk about the playoff bracket as it is right now. To start off the show, Sackley, the four teams in the college football playoffs are Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. How do you feel about that? Michigan definitely deserved to be number one. You know, Georgia was, and then they lost. And Michigan's been fantastic all year, despite the scandal. Jim Harbaugh missing a quarter of the season. All of that shenanigans. Connor Stallions is probably here. I thought that coach that was doing was Jeff McDonald the whole time. Guess it was Connor Stallions. I'm good with number one. Number two, Washington. They were number three. They beat number five, Oregon, in the championship game. I'm fine with that. They're undefeated. I can live with that. Texas, I'm glad they're in. I think Texas is the best team out of the top four teams, I think they're gonna. I think Texas actually is back. I think that they're gonna win it. They're my pick to win it. I like their offense and defensive line. It's you know the big guys. That's where we always start. Quinn Ewers is getting better every week. They can run the ball. They have skill position players. Their defense is solid for a Big Twelve team. I like them. We get to number four. <laughs> I had to consume a few alcoholic beverages after seeing it. So you got a team that was number four, Florida State. Number four going into championship Saturday. They go, they play a good team, Louisville, number 14 overall. They beat them by 10 with a third-string quarterback. Their second string was out with the concussion, so he'd be back for the playoff game if they were in. Obviously, Jordan Travis's leg got mangled. And this is also a team that went 2-0 against the SEC. They smacked LSU on a neutral field. And they beat their SEC rival, Florida, on the road. Talent-wise, they're arguably the most talented team in the country. Keon Coleman, uh, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell. Their offensive defensive line is very solid. They had lots of transfers on the D-line. Like Siski, like the guy from Western Michigan, was like number two overall transfer. 100% very talented team from top to bottom. Dominant, they beat Clemson, Notre Dame, everyone. They Played everyone they played, they beat. And because their offense didn't look very good with the third-string quarterback, who wouldn't, would would not be in the game if they were in the playoffs, they're Tate Rodemacher, their second-string quarterback, who they've won with before in multiple years. He would be playing. And they take him out because they take him out of the playoff because they just didn't look good against Louisville. They didn't get enough first downs in the first half. They won this game by 10. A couple of more plays here and there, they win by 20. This is a terrible decision. This is basically saying, yeah, your undefeated record doesn't matter. Conference championship doesn't matter. Play a tough schedule doesn't matter. Florida State has a tougher schedule than Washington, tougher schedule than Michigan, and arguably a tougher schedule than Alabama. SEC had a down year. Yeah, they're the best conference football, but they had a down year this year. It was Bama, Georgia, Missouri, and the rest was mediocre. LSU has no defense. The rest of the West was bad. Mississippi State was bad. 
Okay, Ole Miss was good. I'll give them that, 10-2. But that's it. They got this decision wrong, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, sorry. To, like, piggyback off of what uh, Sack's saying, you know, like, in specifics, it was one, obviously, because of uh, Jordan Travis, the quarterback with the mangled leg, like he said. It was also because that they were only averaging 3.4 yards um, a possession and because that in the Louisville game, they were tied 3-3 to until the third quarter. So those were the really big three-pointers that this committee that we don't really know about, and supposedly they watched the game behind closed doors. All of them did, and this is what went into consideration when coming into this decision. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was just it was a really bad call. A very bad decision, you know, and Jordan Travis even came out and said after he found out um, or after they announced it, he came out and said that, you know, he wished he would have broke his leg sooner to really show that these guys deserve to play in, you know, to really fight for a championship, you know, and not a third place game. And, um, you know, I hope they go out and beat uh, Georgia. I hope they they mollywop them because it's going to show and prove this committee wrong. And it's really going to put them on the map, you know, and it's going to give them a great recruiting thing. You know, And I think generally right now, 13 and 0, that's great recruitment right there, you know, for kids who have offers from that school. Yeah, the ACC was good this year. too. Yeah. So like th- this, it's I really hope they go out and beat Georgia to really like, you know, shove the middle finger right in the committee's face and be like, you really messed up. You're giving us a boring Michigan, Alabama game, you know. And then, yeah, Texas, Texas deserved it. You know, I was also rooting for Texas to make it in because, you know, they were they had a pretty good se- season. Quinn Ewers, right? Quinn Ewers, yeah, yeah. he's a dog of a quarterback for being how short he is. Like, he reminds me of a Kyler Murray, just better accurate, a- like, accuracy. But, um, yeah, f- uh, FSU got robbed point blank, you know, and it was really unfair to those kids because they they worked hard all season to go 13-0. Yeah. Um, I want to read some of the quotes that have been coming out from the College Football Playoff Committee. Uh, <clears throat> this one is from Heather Dinnick. She went on Get Up this morning and uh, talked about why the college football people picked them. This is what she said. She said, people need to know why Florida State was number five, period. They averaged 3.4 yards per play against Louisville, like you had said, Josh, and the score was tied at three in the third quarter while, be- while Alabama was beating the committee's number one team. The selection committee watched football games together and saw how they unfolded and then resorted to their protocol, which allowed them to look forward and ask the question, can Florida State win a national title without Jordan Travis? Is that enough of an explanation to you guys to accept that the committee left Florida State out? No, that's not. Because at this point, and I've had multiple talks about it with a lot of people, and especially like my dad, um, that, you know, this was really just for views. It was for ratings. That's the only reason why they put Alabama in that spot was because of ratings. All they care about is money. They're money hungry. They thought that a third-string quarterback couldn't win a game, but what did they win by? They won by 10. So what if it was tied until the third quarter? They won by 10. And if you put in that second string, they win by 20 or more. Yeah. Alabama was down 10-0 to USF a couple months ago. And the thing is, yeah, they look bad with Brock, Brock Glenn. Tate Rodemacher is going to start the playoff game. They've looked good with Tate. They've won with him games on the road these last three, four years. This is the guy that's been there four years that they're grooming to take over for Travis next year. So it's not like we, we kind of have a known commodity in Tate Rodemacher. He's played well this year. And they're, all they're doing is, well, one half against a good LSU uh, Louisville defense, it's just not enough to me to 
take him out of the college football playoff. Yeah, it really th- isn't. This this was lazy. This was super lazy. You know, and it's it's really unfair to these kids because these these kids day in day out are scholarship or not, they work hard. You know. And they they put everything into this game, and then they get robbed like that, man. That's it's it's just lazy, and the people just did it for the money because they know they're gonna get a big check for it. Yeah. Um. T- to your point, I I wouldn't call it lazy. I would point more towards what you had said after you had called them lazy, and that it's for the money. This was very intentional. This was their plan from the beginning, and my question is. If this is your plan from the beginning, why is Florida State at number four going into the selection period? If you really didn't believe that they could win games without Jordan Travis, or you really didn't believe that they could compete in the playoffs without Jordan Travis, then why are they sitting at number four going into that championship weekend? Drop them. If you felt like it was that pertinent that that guy was on the field for this playoff, then they should have been number five and number six before this championship weekend. They should have had to earn their way into the playoffs, not fall out of the playoffs by winning. Yep. That doesn't make any sense at all. If anything, Alabama should have been left out of this playoffs. Oh, most definitely. They lost to Texas. That's the biggest thing. And everybody wants to say, one of the other quotes that had come out was that Alabama has the best win and the best loss out of those guys. And then I look at that and say, well, Florida State doesn't have a loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what does that not matter to you guys at all? Florida State's best win. I mean, neutral field, LSU by twenty five. It's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. If if they didn't beat uh, if they didn't beat LSU, LSU might have made the college football players themselves. They probably could have won their own division. But that took the all the momentum out of their sails to begin the season, and it really showed. But. I, to be honest, I really don't think Georgia's that good this year. Georgia, yeah, they've had good performances, but they're not the same team. They're, the one time they played a legitimate good team this year, they lost. Mm-hmm. They didn't play LSU. They didn't play anyone, and they they kind of got screwed over this year in that their non-conference was very bad because they were going to play Oklahoma, but they can't play Oklahoma because Oklahoma's joining the SEC next year. I mean, you look at Florida State, their non-conference is a thousand times better than Alabama and Georgia. And so. their in-conference was just as good. They played teams that were ranked at some point yeah. this season. Yeah, they may not have been ranked when they played them, but Miami was a very good defense with a hot and cold offense. Yeah. Clemson finished the season ranked. Notre Dame finished the season ranked. They played Duke when they were ranked inside the top 20. Louisville was a top 10 North team. North Carolina. These, these are all games. Duke. These were all games that were tough competitive battles. And you look at them just because they're close. You're telling me you watch the games. The Heather said that she went in and the whole committee committee rewatched all of their games and said that Alabama had played better. When I can confidently tell you, without watching every game from both those teams, that Alabama was not better. Alabama was better in the last five minutes of most of their games. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's absurd. Florida State was dominating some of these teams. How can you even consider this like a debate? I get it. They beat Georgia. Georgia is not the same team they have been for the past three seasons, to Sackley's point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And then the other argument that's coming out, if Jordan Travis is that important, then why is he not in the Heisman conversation? Yeah. Why yeah. is he not a finalist for the Heisman? Yeah. If you really think he changes the game that much for that team, then he should be easily top three Heisman candidate. Without a doubt. This Heisman race this year has been very mediocre. 
No one's taking it by storm. The number one overall pick isn't going to be the Heisman. Potentially, unless Marvin Harrison goes number one, and he could potentially be the Heisman. That's yeah, that's the only chance. Exactly, but if you you like look at Marvin Harrison, like yeah, he's been awesome this season, but I don't know, he hasn't been like killer. He's not yeah. full on Malik, winning Malik it over. Neighbors has better stats. Exactly. Than him. I know, I, th- this is a travesty. This really is because Florida State, this was their year. They had all the they nailed the transfer portal. Keon Coleman. Uh, Jaheim Bell, the D-lineman. Jared First came back for next year. He could have been a first-round pick last year. Mm-hmm. They had Travis, the one last year. Jordan Travis ended up being a very good quarterback. First, they didn't like him. They were not fans of him. But now, he's obviously a beast. This was their year, and they, they got left out. And my other thing is, if you really believed in Alabama this much, and you felt like that they are going to compete in the playoffs, then what was even the point of this? What was even the point of having a discussion if you thought that they're going to compete better in the playoffs at the beginning of the season? What's the point of letting teams play an entire season if you're just going to base everything about the talent on the roster? Mm-hmm. You might as well just have a playoffs the first week of the season then. It doesn't make any sense. These things need to be based off the resume of the team. And this was not based off the resume of the teams. Plain and simple, if you want to look at the easiest part of the resume, and we've said it multiple times already, Look at their records. Alabama has one loss. Alabama is 12-1. and Florida State is 13-0. and Case closed. They're both conference champs. They're both top 10 in the, in the country. Florida State has one more win. Case closed. I don't know why that is so hard for them to accept. You're already making billions of dollars as an organization if you're the NCAA. They just made millions of dollars on this one decision. The amount of people that are talking about this right now, including us, is making them money. You could have made a little less money and kept the integrity of the college football players for the last year that it's like this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But no, you wanted to ruin everybody's fun. Well, I'm kind of, in a way, it's kind of poetic that it ended like this because this is how it started when they did the exact same thing to TCU mm-hmm. in 2014. So I'm glad that this stupid, I never really was a whole fan of I like the playoffs. I didn't like the BCS and your computers decided, and it's just two I mean, games. We were talking about it before the show. Miami got screwed in like two thousand one because yeah. of that. Like four teams all along was stupid because then all the other big time bowl games got d de, uh, devalued. So mm-hmm. everyone just opted out, and they created a lot of crappy bowl games, especially the last few years. Like, it should have been eight since the get go. I don't know why they didn't do it, but it would have been more money as well. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to twelve. It just seems kind of weird to me because then you got buys and this and that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way the league is or the world is transforming in college sports and teams going to all these different conferences and all of that. I wanted to ask you guys something money-related too. A year ago, we were all very accepting of the NIL uh, deals and stuff like that. How do you feel about NIL now? I don't like it as much, to be honest. I really don't because now the guy has a good season – you know, he was getting paid for the team that he was playing. They were loyal. You know, they recruited him. They developed him. Now it's as soon as I'm good enough, okay, give me a million or I'm transferring. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all for players getting paid, getting paid their worth, but now it's just getting ridiculous. Like, Matt Rule is saying, well, he's like, if you want to go get a good quarterback in the transfer pool, that's at least a million dollars. Like, so when is this pro football? Yeah. Like, I don't like it anymore because now it's just like guys have no loyalty. Yeah. It used to be only the coaches when they get paid had no loyalty. Now it's the players as well. 
Yeah, I think now this throws off like the whole narrative for kids who aspire to be uh, college athletes. Now these athletes in high school have to look at it and be like, if I'm not good enough, I can't ask for money. And I think that ruins it from the jump, you know, because what we learned when we were in high school was if we get good enough, we can ask for a full scholarship paid for. We don't yeah. have to worry about anything. We go to school for free. But now these kids have to worry about whether or not they're going to throw as many touchdowns, get as many yards, get as many tackles, this and that, whatever for money. It's like That's, a lot of these guys. Just, sorry, guys. No. A lot of these guys just bust. Like, look at Jaden Rashada. Arizona State basically just took him to Florida because they paid him $13 million. What did he do this year? He started two games. Is the school Now the school is going to have to cut a, a sports team because of this because they gave him $13 million. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a, now it's a battle of who has the most money. Well, and then ever since uh, last week, the amount of quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal just because they don't think they're going to keep their jobs because some other kid is going to get paid more behind them. We're looking at Kyle McCord in Ohio State. We're looking at Dylan Gabriel in Which, Oklahoma. That shocked. I didn't even know he had another year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Dante Moore in UCLA. We're looking at Cam Ward in Washington State, Will Howard of Kansas State, Riley Dang. Leonard of Duke, DJ Ugalele of Oregon State. Uh, Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina, and then uh, Tyler Van Dyke of Miami. And the only quarterback that is actually entering the transfer portal is switching to a whole different sport, which is the guy from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the back who of- came from Notre Dame. He's going back to Notre Dame to play lacrosse because he knows that he can't compete with these Buckner? other quarterbacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. he sucks. Yeah. Well, but, and then you know he, what? He's going to get paid for being one of the best lacrosse players yeah, in the country. Yeah, he, he was recruited in high school as one of the best lacrosse players in the country. Yeah. Yeah, the only quarterback in that group that I'm not mad with them transferring is Grayson McCall mm-hmm. because he spent his he was five, there for five years, different coach. And they were kind of like, yeah, we like this freshman, we want to transfer. So I don't blame him, but, but like, all those other guys, it's like if you're doing Gabriel. Why are you transferring? You're number ten in the country. You had a great season. The offense is perfect for you. They've started you the last two years. They basically chose you over Caleb Williams because if they didn't recruit you, Caleb Williams said, yeah, I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. And now you, they do all this for you, and now you just want to transfer. Well, and then I, I and, then also, it's, and it's keeping guys in college longer. Now you got these six, seven year guys. It's like, go get a job, bro. Yeah, look at I, the Heisman race this year. It's insane. Bo Nix has been in, the, in college for five years. I'm fine like with him because he's COVID. Michael Penix has been in the college six. for six years. It, it's absurd. Marvin Harrison's the shortest tenured guy in that race, and he's been there for three years. Uh, Jalen Daniels has been there five. Five. Sam Hartman's six. He's the oldest one. No one even talks about him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absurd. You're Cam not... Rising's coming back for a seventh year next year. How are any of these teams that these guys are transferring to going to be able to develop talent if they're spending all this money and all this time on a guy that will play there for one year just so that you can win one more game? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I think about like Kyle McCord and Riley Leonard are two names, and like DJ Ugalele. But all three of them, why are you transferring? I can understand Ugalele because the coach transferred. I guess, but he, but like, he was going to keep that job no matter what. You were keeping that job. He's the highest paid player at Oregon State, I guarantee you. Riley Leonard, unless if he goes to Texas A&M, follows his coach, I don't understand. Exactly. Because they like, love him there, even though he's not very good in my opinion. They love him If there. they were going to replace Kyle McCord that fast, they would have done it halfway through the season. They let him play out the entire season for them at Ohio State. What, what are you transferring for? I think... Maybe they had – because North Carolina State did this to M.J. Morris, who was a good freshman. 
started a few games, one majority of them played well. And one week they're like, yeah, we want you to be our starter the next three years. And the next week they're like, yeah, go. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why. Which is, I mean, like, if you talk about Because now it's also on the coaches as well. Mm-hmm. They're just telling, yeah, transfer, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And that's what Miami did with Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. It's basically the same oh, thing. Oh, he's they're, gone too? Yeah, he entered the transfer portal because they basically said Emory Williams is the starter. You're done. So basically every starting quarterback in the Power Five is transferring. That's mm-hmm. not going to the NFL or, like, out of eligibility is transferring. Mm-hmm. It's literally what it is. We just named, like, 25 top-tier guys. Tyler Van Dyke and DJ Ugalele were Heisman candidates halfway through the season. Wait, wait. And they're not going to be on the same teams anymore. It's getting ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we allowing this kind of thing to happen? And then you talk about all the conference realignment that's happening. Today I saw a report from ESPN that said they're basically going to make it a whole other conference for all the teams that don't want to join the big conferences. What? Yeah. It's absurd. They're, they're, it wasn't planned. It's proposed that they're going to create, like, basically a Notre Dame conference of all those teams that don't want to be in a conference or be put into those conferences. So it's like them, UConn, UMass. And basically. <laughs> the teams that were left behind out of all the conference realignment. Okay, that I could kind of – at least you have Notre Dame, Oregon State, Washington. Because did you hear what the remaining of the old Pac-12 has to do? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So Oregon State, Washington State. I guess they're not even going to be able to get to 12 games. So they play five Mountain West teams. So they basically join the Mountain West. And then the other five, they have they have to schedule FBS teams, which so they're going to be playing like non-conference games into like November, basically. So basically what that means is that Oregon State's never going to compete for a national title ever again. Because yeah. based on what we're seeing in the college football playoffs right now, and what has happened to Florida State? Strength of schedule apparently matters a ton. That, and I guess they have to. They can schedule one FCS team a year, which those are colleges don't necessarily like doing it because they have to pay the FCS mm-hmm. team like at least five hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So those two teams are screwed. They might as well just join the Mountain West and make it. Try to get more teams to join that and just make it like a. Mediocre super conference. Like, you know, get like North Dakota State to join or something like that. Some action going on. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's kind of ridiculous. Because you look at Pac 12's gone. Big 12 loses Oklahoma and Texas next year. But this year they already gained the UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. And they get Colorado, which Colorado should be better. I don't know. Which I don't know because it just looks worse and worse every day there. Every, everything I've been seeing recently is that. It's negative. It, Deion Sanders has quickly gone from being one of the best coaches in the country America's to sweetheart. one of the most overrated people on earth. It yeah. is absurd what he's doing to that. And, like, the way he talks about the players on his team and the recruits yeah. that he had recruited. Yeah. Why would anybody want to play for a guy it's like re- that? It's kind of ridiculous. And that all goes back to the money. Colorado threw millions of dollars at him just to do that, just to destroy them. They thought they had a shot with him, and then now it just looks worse and worse. It's, he's not patient. He's not going to develop guys for two, three years and then get him out. It's like, oh, you're not good as a freshman? Get out of here. It's not the NFL. It's not. You have to be able to – You can to... do that in the HBCU land because you're going against guys that had one offer coming out of college. Like, everyone doesn't want to admit it, but – Okay, the HBCU conferences, they're in the FCS. Okay, so that's lowest tier Division One football. 
Other than the Pioneer League and maybe one of the, some of the, the conferences in the Northeast, HBCUs are at the very bottom. They have the smallest talent pool, obviously, because they can only really recruit African-American players. But they don't even do the FCS playoffs. So they're like, nah, we're not, we can't compete, so we're just going to do the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. That's on ESPN3 every year. Because I guess they get 100% of the profits because Arthur Blank is a G. Because it's played at the Falcon Stadium. So that's where he's coming. Everyone thought it was, it was great competition. You put that team against North Dakota State, they're not winning. South Dakota State. Uh, teams like that. So everyone thought it was going to be you know, sliced bread. This whole mentality has, it needs to change. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, what he's trying to do with the transporters is make your whole team. Transfer portal, what it should be now, what it, the smart team is doing is Florida State. You go get a Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, the guy here and there. The guys that want a shot. Just to, that have one more year that are going to go to the NFL, that's what you use. We don't do it for all 22 guys plus your sons. Mm-hmm. Or, and like, what we have been talking about about the guys in the transfer portal currently, those guys that are just mad that they're not they're not going to get a, another chance for some reason, or that they feel like they're not going to get the money they deserve because they know they're not going to succeed in the NFL. Basically, that's yeah. what a lot of these guys are in the transfer portal because they keep playing so that they know they make more money because they know they're going to suck in the NFL. It doesn't make any sense. And how yeah. how can you build a culture around that? That's the biggest thing I think in college sports is that you build a culture. And you just can't build a culture this way. You can say all you want about the way Dion coaches and the things Dion says, but that culture of that team, and I think this is going to be evident throughout the country in the next few years, the culture on that team will not win you football games. No. He's doing it with his coaches too. He disrespected his offensive coordinator, said he was this and that. He left and got the head coaching job at San Diego State. Kind of a very good job. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It can work in... High school or FCS, it's not going to work there. Mm-hmm. Josh, before the show, you said you wanted to talk about the upcoming and the, the way the playoffs are changing. How do you feel the way the playoffs are changing is going to affect some of these teams that may not be super competitive like right now, the, the Coastal Carolinas, the UCFs of the past few years, the JMUs in the next coming five years? What, what do you think this type of playoff change will mean to the rest of the country even with the way the conference realignments are happening? I mean, I, I obviously from the get-go, you're going to want to work hard to get ranked and get into that playoff spot and whatever, right? Because it's only a four-team playoff, maybe six, including that third-place game, right? But now that you said it's a 12-team uh, bracket, so um, now with that, it, it, I feel like it gives these teams more of a drive, but I also feel like it... Um, it gives them, you know, going back to like the whole like uh, conference thing to like make them jump into one of those big conferences and try and compete and knock people out and stuff like that. I do uh, kind of agree with exactly like the first round buys might like mix things up with that stuff. But I feel like, um, you know, it's finally time that they're changing to this because I feel like they saw it more of a market as more money, obviously, mm-hmm. because they saw how well. NCAA basketball has been doing it for ages, right? And they saw how much revenue it was and stuff. And I feel like they were like, nah, we'll keep the four thing, you know, because it makes it super competitive and stuff. But I I agree with Sagley. I never really liked it because it never made any sense. 
um, you know, and the 16, 14, whatever, it, it, I wasn't very, very fond of it. But now with the 12th team, it's going to be exciting because now you're going to have teams that you would have never thought to see in that position. And you see... <coughs> You're going to see all these upsets that you would never see either because I know like what I saw a picture of like a I think it was a a six man and I know that like one of the games because it was it went by bowl games and then it was like uh, FAU and this other team and then if they won you know they'd play uh, Alabama and it'd be like why not you know obviously the talent is different and whatever but like an upset's an upset it'd be really dope to see you know because it's it goes back to sorry it goes back to the same thing with uh what last year fau all the way to the final four in men's basketball like what like that's crazy you know like that's something you never see and like you want to see once you see it mm-hmm. um you and Sackley had mentioned before that already with the four team playoffs the rest of the bowl games kind of get diminished yeah. what do you think happens to bowl games in the future with a 12-man playoff they're reinvigorated yeah Definitely. Back to, I, I can name, like, for example, the, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl 2022, Pitt, Michigan State, Kenny Pickett opted out, because that's the one time Kenny Pickett was ever good. We all knew Michigan State was going to win that game. You go to the year before that, Texas A&M, North Carolina, Orange Bowl. Well, North Carolina, you had... Jamie Brown, Dax Newsom, the top two receivers opt out. Yeah, Javante Williams and Michael Carter opt out. So we all knew Texas A&M was going to win. That was the year they uh, they got left out at five. They were mad about missing the playoffs. From the very second that game started, I knew Texas A&M was winning that game because all the guys had opted out. There's no more of that, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And plus, with this 12-team thing, they said originally – I guess the top six conference champions would automatically make it. But I guess, so I guess there's going to be two group of five teams now. And there's no Pac 12. So that's kind of cool. But even if you did a 12 man bracket this year, it'd be awesome. Because mm-hmm. then you got like, you know, LSU and Ohio State's in there. They That's a team that could very well win it all. It's good enough. It would just be so much better, really. You had just said that you they were saying that the top six uh, conference champs are going to get in automatically. Um, what happens if they don't follow that? What if they just do what they did this year that's, and put the best teams in? What that's happens? what they're going to do. They're going to make sure they have the least amount of group of fives in there as possible. I'm surprised they let Cincinnati in, even though they won 26 straight games. And then you know, a few months later had nine guys drafted to the NFL, arguably the most talented team in the country. But... It's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be this whole next era of college football is going to be known as like the mistake era. Because everything they did is going to be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like we were we were stu- college student athletes, right? Student athlete experience is going to be terrible now that every single game you play is going to be a cross country road game. It's already not great. How are you how are you supposed to go to class if like say you're a basketball player, right? You got games Tuesday Thursday. Tuesday you have two straight road games. So Elmer's test. How are you going to do that if one you're UCLA? Your first game's at Iowa, okay? Cross country, fly back. Your next game, or you probably have to stay, really. If your next game's on Thursday or Friday, your next game is... Rutgers. Maryland. Yeah. Rutgers. Another cross country flight. That's not going to work. And then, this is the sad part in my mind. You know, football, basketball, they make all the money. So they can fly wherever they want. Steak and lobster. You know, 
Even we ate good sometimes at D3 Elmhurst. How about a non-profitable sport like women's softball, uh, men's bowling, track and field? Now they have to go cross-country everything. There, there's going to be a lot of programs that get cut. It's like, yeah, sorry, we can't afford it. Not every sport is profitable. Gymnastics, wrestling. What are you going to do with that? Because I know they're going to cut them. You know they're not going to like, you know what, we're going to do for our students. We'll take, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We'll cut things other here. This guy will take a pay cut. Not, you know they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I feel bad because there's going to be a lot of programs that get cut. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's enough schools that value those other sports that there would be a fight against that when some of these other bigger schools maybe start cutting those? What kind of discussion happens then? Yeah, because, like, uh, who did they say today? Um, like, FSU, their women's soccer team just won state again or the championship for their team. This is the second year in a row they've done it. So, like, stuff like that I think is what they're going to take into consideration if other programs are providing. Or the Big Big Ten volleyball teams. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I wouldn't yeah. – I don't ever think you would see Ohio State or Wisconsin ever cut their volleyball teams because those girls are crazy talented. Like you're like, did you see the venues they had in the mm-hmm. football stadiums? Like th- that's wild, bro. They're selling out arenas for that yeah, stuff. Yeah, thirty, forty thousand people coming to watch volleyball. Yeah, outdoor too. You know, in Ohio and Wisconsin, like it's crazy. Yeah. But like, I could see for like, you know, if we looked at, I don't know, um, a, a Marshall. Yeah, a Marshall. Like that, even a Coastal schools. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're looking at almost maybe maybe an average. In schools like that, Marshall, Troy, App State, whatever, the small schools, you're yeah. lo- you're looking at almost a three to four like teams or like things cut from the school, and all of these kids came here for that, and now what are they gonna do? Because now you cut their scholarship, you cut their enjoyment as to one as why they were there, and especially if they're freshmen, now they have to transfer. Now they gotta hit that portal and be like, what school is gonna give me a, a m- money? To go and play for them. That or quit playing the sport you love. Exactly. You know, like this is, it's it's ridiculous because they're basically just tearing down dreams for athletes, student athletes who are there at this moment and for student athletes who want to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just it, it's it makes no sense. Off of that, if teams or schools start cutting teams and other schools start fighting back with those decisions, do we see a change in the way that NIL is and the way that these players at the bigger sports are getting funded in order to keep these other teams available? I think that the NIL should be changed. I don't think there should be some type of clause. It needs to be regulated. Saying yeah. that either okay, either it needs to be gone or it needs to be changed in some way to say that if you hit the portal, you cannot ask for money. Mm-hmm. One, that's unfair. Two, that's way much more than what you're going to get once you actually transfer. And three, it ruins the sport. It, it, it ruins it, you know, because now you're, you're talking about, say, Caleb Williams has the transfer portal, right? You're talking about almost a $13 million quarterback. Who else has that money besides USC? The dude drives a Ferrari. Who else? <laughs> like He's a college Dr- student driving You're talking about maybe Alabama. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. That's it. You're talking about four teams out of the whole college football to actually be able to pay that man to touch a ball and throw it. That's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. My thing with that, too, is if you're going to be making that much money, you can't have your school pay for it. No. I'm sorry. No. Those scholarships could go to so many other kids. If they're going to pay you 
single digit, double digit, million dollars of money you're paying for your school. Mm. We're giving a full ride to these kids who, like, we all see the videos. These, I, I forgot what school it was, but these two kids who had just gotten off work at 4 a.m., went to class, went to practice, and then they had to go do it the next night. They got full scholarships. Those are the kids you need to give the scholarships yeah. to. Those are the kids that deserve it because they work hard every single day besides Caleb Williams, who lives in basically a tower apartment, one, for safety, and two, because he can afford it. Those kids can't. They have to probably share a bed. And he's not going to do anything with his degree. Whatever degree he gets, if, if he finishes his degree. He's not finishing that. He's not that type of the guy. O- the only people I've seen from the NFL that actually use a degree are maybe a couple linemen to retire and become doctors. Or Josh Dobbs, who didn't think who's he was going to be a scientist. He's a rocket yeah. scientist, he didn't think man. He was be a Plus, starter ever. A lot of this money is coming from the boosters and it's coming from local businesses. So if they're going to be giving all this money to your football program, they're going to have more say in what happens in your football program. So now you're going to be like Auburn, where your football program is run by a bunch of boosters. Which I don't, I don't understand that either, because 20 years ago, that was absurd to people. The teams were getting banned and kicked out of the playoff contention because they're getting boosted. Yeah. Because these boosters are giving these kids money and cars and free food and all this other stuff. That we just accept nowadays for no reason. Yeah, and if you're it's just a switch flipped. If yeah. you're making all this money, one, you're paying for your school. Mm-hmm. You're giving that scholarship to someone else who deserves it. Two, you're Honestly. giving back. You're not waiting for a camera to be around and be like, oh, here you go. Oh my god, look at this. I'm a Samaritan. You know what? Everyone like me. You know, like give back, man. I'm like, like actually extremely happy you brought that. I've never thought about that. Like, why like, not? Why didn't Caleb Williams give up his scholarship and go give it to Blake over there who gets slaughtered on Scout Team O-Line every day while and you're making thir- – I never thought about exactly, that. Exactly, because I, I see – I'm so stuff. happy Joshua Diaz is here today. <laughs> like, when I'm scrolling on TikTok, I'll be seeing some of these guys who are on Scout Teams for Alabama. Yeah, they have a scholarship, but they're getting tossed around and ragdolled because, one, they know they couldn't make it, but they want to help these guys yeah. get better. It's ridiculous, like, Imagine bro. who gets Jalen Carter every day if you're on Georgia last it, year. Like, bro, like, give back, bro, especially with, like, the whole booster thing and the communities that these local businesses fund you for. Give back, bro. Don't wait for a stupid phone or camera to be in front of you to do that. Do it on your own, bro. Like, it makes no sense. You're getting paid all this money. You're driving a Ferrari. You live in a tower that's private. You're about to get another $13 million contract from whatever NFL team drafts And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't go to the draft because he's saying it's a game-time decision, boo-hoo, bro. I want ownership of the NFL team that drafts That's so stupid. You're so privileged. Oh, my God. I hate it. I I never thought about that. Even if you don't go to the draft, you're still going to get another $13, $15 million. It makes no sense. Yeah, Caleb Williams still has another year of eligibility, so he could do whatever he He literally can make a a basically like a fund in in California, be like the Caleb Williams fund like LeBron James did with the school. Obviously, he's not on that level in status and money, but he can make like a scholarship for kids who aspire to be like him and play and want to play in Division One. Yeah. You know, like why not? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know why it has to be us, Division Three people who are lesser, quote-unquote, than them to come up with simple things like this. Yeah. You know, it make zero, makes zero sense. I never thought about that. I mean, and and to those points, there's, and to your point, there's people that could use these scholarships. Again, there's these people aren't going to use their scholarships. Caleb Williams is never going to use whatever degree he earns. Marvin Harris is never going to use whatever degree he may earn. You know, 
Michael Penix has been there for six years. He's getting a master's or something right now. He's never going to use his degree. Yeah. It's only to sit on something once you know you're going to, one, let, get let go. Two, you're hurt and you can never play the game again. Three, you're just so bad you come to terms with it and retire. Mm-hmm. And, or, like, you just want to do something because you're bored sitting at home, sitting on millions of dollars. I mean, be, beyond football, another example is Angel Reese. She's failing all her classes right now. She's not even allowed on the court because she can't pass her classes. But her classes are getting paid for. She's getting paid millions of dollars she's, to sit at home. She's getting a lot of money. What what are what is the point of giving a person like that a scholarship if it's not going to be to good use? I understand they make you money as a school, but at one point, when is the education of the young people of our country going to matter more than football and basketball? It doesn't matter. What, I hate it. It doesn't even matter anymore. And what? Oh my God! I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. What happened to the? I made it out of the mud mm-hmm. from a single parent home. I got a full scholarship instead of mom. I just bought you a new house. What at is the age that? Of Nineteen. Yeah. What is that, man? <laughs> that makes no sense. Fight for what you love, and then earn your money, bro. Cause, like that statement just makes zero sense. Because Caleb Williams is buying everything for his family, and everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. No one can deny that, man. Dude's driving a Ferrari, at. 20, maybe 22, 23, 24, whatever. Yeah. Oh my, if I had a Ferrari right now, I'd sell it in a heartbeat and help my family. What are you doing? Like Marvin Harrison wears like those $1,000 cleats in an Apple Watch. Oh my God. Yeah. Last year's game, Louis Vuitton special custom cleats and an Apple Watch. You're a jerk. Like, what are we doing? I understand you're a really, really good wide receiver and you're going to be one of one or one of two in the draft. You're a dick. And then what's worse about all of that is that these social media accounts, these big-name people like ESPN are promoting this. And all these guys get monetized on social media as well. The moment they touch 15,000 subscribers, followers, whatever, it's more money in their pockets God, to man. do nothing. I wish I was better at sports because I'm very entrepreneurial, but you know I'm just an average Joe Blow. I mean, we, we look at guys like Travis Hunter. Who is hurt half the season, but still is making a million dollars because he pl- likes to play Fortnite on, in his uh, away time. Me too, dude. I love playing Fortnite. Give me $15 million to stream it. He doesn't say anything helpful on any of his streams, any of the things he gets promoted for on Bleacher Report. And, wh- and what happened? He still got paid that day he streamed and didn't show up to the game. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Like, ridiculous, bro. These guys also have an opportunity that say they wanted to like help the youth. They could do streams on, hey, this is how you, this is how I became the number one player in the country. This to, is the workout I'm going to gonna Josh's do. point, yeah. Yeah. Or, hey, th- let's do this drill. I really like this drill. It really helped me uh, get my, you know, my hips looser, help me with my eyes and my footwork. In- instead of talking about who your favorite player is in the instead, NFL, yeah, Instead of talking about who your favorite porn star is or something. Who cares? That's ridiculous. It, it, make, it, it makes no sense. It's asinine, man, because these players – they get talked about this and that. Literally every college commentator, besides a couple of them, are all Chris Collinsworth because they all ride these guys and be like, oh, my God, they're the best. Oh, my God. April, when April comes around, they're going to shine, this and that, whatever. What are you talking about, bro? They're a student athlete. Chill out. Caleb Williams, after the last four or five games he played... Dude got threw off the ballot, and I haven't heard about him since. Besides, it's a game-time decision for him to enter the draft. 
That's a joke. I don't like he. I really don't like him. That's name. a joke. And if the Bears mess up with that, oh my God, the state of Illinois deserves to get nuked. I wouldn't touch him with the 39 and a half foot pole. Like, it makes no sense. Like, these guys are so privileged. It It's disgusting. Because now all they see when they enter portals or when they're getting looked at is dollar signs. That's it. And it's stupid because you're ruining the game that people like us could never make and play at that level. You're ruining it for us. Mm-hmm. Because we want to see you succeed. We want to see you win a championship. That's what we wanted to do when we were kids. And And you're showing all these kids what? Oh, get money hungry, get really good, ask for millions. Now Play it's like Fortnite now time. it's like free agency. It's like, oh, this guy, it's like you know, an NFL guy in his last year was contract. Oh, he had a great year, contract year. He's gonna get paid. Now it's like Dylan Gabriel. Oh, he led Oklahoma back to relevance. Now he's gonna go transfer and make more money somewhere else. What What happened to the Vince Youngs? What happened to these people that come from nothing to your guys at this point and inspire millions of people? They're not inspiring like, anyone. There's no one inspiring. You're right because. Who even is there anymore? Like, there's no guy, like, at least I kind of, like, last year had, like, Stetson Bennett, walk mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. crazy story, didn't get a degree, great guy. This year, it's like, okay. Yeah, this guy was maybe poor going to college, but then they handed him $5 yeah. million, and now he's the Yeah, this man guy transferred twice. He's a sixth year. Uh, he's really coming to his own. He's, like, 25. Yeah, and, and like, the, this, the same thing to piggyback. Like, what happened to the Amon Ross St. Browns? What happened to the Cooper Cups? What happened to all these people who got talked about and got basically tore down because, oh, they weren't good enough, they weren't tall enough, this and that, but now it's, oh, he didn't make as much money. What? And then you talk yeah. about, like, the, the trickle-down effect. Those guys that aren't getting talked about, where do they go? They go D2 and D3 and destroy the integrity of the game at those levels. There's yep. a reason there's a Division 2. There's a reason there's a Division 3. Why are these D1 guys North coming Central. down here? <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> North bro. Central. Literally. All because they're not getting paid millions of dollars there, but they can get their uh, Land Rovers here at North Central. They can probably. get paid money at North Central. Probably. Not probably. Point. It is. I. You North Central can like assassinate me right now yeah. if they want, if they're afraid that I'm telling their secrets or something. No, and look. These and guys are getting paid. Yeah, and we're not bashing NC for whatever, right? We understand they're very good school and they get very good players, but that's just the reality of it, mm-hmm. that these really good players drop down because they know that these schools get funded hard and have the money and they get what they want. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one day they can go back and make millions at 26 years old in D1 when they transfer again. Yeah, And plus, COVID year... This is how all these guys are able to do it. Yeah, because the NCAA gave everyone, especially us, extra years of eligibility. I could go back to school in five years and play another year of football if I wanted to. Yeah. I could go back and play another four. Technically, I, I think I could play two because I didn't. I think I have two, actually. I didn't play as a freshman, so I could be like, hey, redshirt. And they'd be like, you know what? Yeah. And I can go the age of 28. I can go play till I'm 30, and then Every, have my nice peaceful Honestly, death. all of us here could pull an Eli Man or Peyton Manning. Just not like take stupid classes at any school and just play football. Yeah, I go over to Concordia and do that. And just be a <laughs> be all conference D lineman. Concordia, Chicago. You just had the best player ever join your team. <laughs> Alex Sackley he sucks, but he's the better than anyone on your roster. You're welcome. See you. See. Yeah, it's just. What what has happened to college football in the span of a year? Has it's bad. It's it's destroyed college sports. It's not the same as it was. 
we all came here to play football because we love football. These guys in D1 don't love football. They don't. No. They, they love don't. money. I mean, I don't blame them for like money. I don't either. No. If somebody came up to me and offered me $13 million it's in just a Ferrari, the system, yeah, I'm going. The system in, in, in a span of one year is now broken. Yes. It's the NCAA's fault. Yes. It's not the player's fault. It's the NCAA's fault. I hate the NCAA. I would. Okay, but here, and I'm going to get backlash from whoever. I don't <laughs> care. I could also say that it is people. It is the player's fault, and it's past players' faults too because a lot of them beforehand were complaining like, oh, my name's on that banner up there or my name is still on the backs of these people wearing it to the games and I'm not getting money for mm-hmm. it. So it could, it could, it's also, it's mainly the NCAA's fault because they caved in and let it happen. Mm-hmm. But two, it's because of these people before them would have all their names put everywhere, banners, whatever, you know, whatnot memorabilia and they were like, I want my money for that. Which like, I, I don't disagree though. I, again, when the NIL stuff came out, I was all for it because these people should get recognized with money for what they do to these schools. These schools make billions of dollars off these kids. Okay. But at one point, you can't overindulge them. Yeah, giving a 17-year-old $10 million. Exactly. Yeah. What is that going to do for anybody? Just for him to transfer a year later. What, what does that do for anybody when you have to change the banners every year because there's a new player coming in and out? What, how does that help an, a school? How does that help any player grow? It doesn't. There has to be a better way for them to give these players what they deserve without pushing them too far. Mm-hmm. You should just be giving them like a certain percentage of the profits. And the the issue is is that the NCAA doesn't care because they're making billions of dollars. Yeah, they're making more money because Who these owns kids are the NCAA. It's not that white guy anymore. It's it and is like, a white guy, but not the one like that I'm thinking about. It? Like who gets all this money at the end of the day? Let's see what Google says. Is it like the Rothschild family or something? What is it? It's the Board of Governors, formerly known as the Executive Committee, is the main body within the NCAA. This body elects the NCAA's president. The NCAA's legislative structure is broken down into cabinets and committees consisting of various representatives of its member schools. Okay, so that's like our government, basically. So it's the, just a bunch of bureaucracies, bureaucrats that just pocket money. For yeah. going it's, to it's all the presidents of the schools, the, the the boards of the schools that are making money off of everybody. And one of, one of them leads like three them. Houses. Mm-hmm. One of them leads them. So it's basically the Senate. That's that's all it really is. They all get they all get a vote in whatever happens, this and that, and they all get they all pocket money at the end of the day, regardless. So it's ridiculous. The, the other thing is is they're blatant blatantly doing this. They're blatantly saying that they don't care about the kids; they care about the money more. Yep. Especially and nobody with that, cares. Especially with that FSU decision. And that, nobody that, that's, cares. That, that was plastered on national television. Yeah, bring it and, back. And, and everyone and everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's because the quarterback." And no, it's, it's because not. of money and ratings, man. You don't have to lie to us. I would feel better if the college football committee members came out and said, "Yeah, this is going to make us more money." I would be like, "Yeah, okay." And then, and then I'm still, we, I'm still and then not we, happy, we, but at least you're telling the truth. We wouldn't sit here and talk about it and rant and everything. Because we would understand if you were just upfront and straightforward instead of, oh, 3.4 yards possession, oh, quarterback, oh, this. no, man. And who is it with? ABC or uh, CBS? That's where the, mm-hmm. co- the playoffs take place? That's just because the CBS was probably like, well, do you want good ratings or not? You know, and then they thought about it and they were like, I want more money. And a lot of these games end up not even being competitive anyway. There's been so many blowouts. Yeah, like over last the year, like this thing. Like last year's most competitive game was Michigan versus TCU. That's it. 
And then TCU wins and gets absolutely mollywopped against Georgia. Plus, there was the LSU putting 60 on Oklahoma on Joe Burrow's year. There was or, or Notre Clemson Dame beating losing every Notre single Dame game they get put getting into. smacked four times. There was uh, Clemson beating Ohio State 30 nothing. There was many uh, Alabama against Ohio State. So even even with the money, it doesn't work. Alabama against Michigan State. It's it's just absurd. And then like, Georgia versus Michigan. Beyond that, going back to like the people promoting this type of stuff, the the ESPN shows. How much money are you getting paid too? Because you're not talking about this the way we're talking about this. Yeah, because like I think the only one, obviously not talking about it like us and whatever and like what examples we have said and stuff is like Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he's the only one, maybe getting just not as close as us, but like he's well, he's on he's the right an track. Outsider. Well, all of the the smaller ones are talking like us, but. Oh, like the, the legacy ones establishment ones. Yeah, like they're get supporting up. the yeah. decision of the NCAA. Oh, I think it was yeah, the like best get decision. up, Colin heard whatever. You all can't let the like, SEC champion be left out. Yeah, I, I fully believe that Florida State would have lost by nine hundred and seventy nine points, and you can't have the SEC as the greatest conference ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah the, so, the, the biggest thing I saw was the ACC uh, post game show after they had uh, like announced who was EJ Manuel uh-huh. talking he was mad he was real mad i reposted that on tiktok was that the one bald on. dude mm-hmm. yeah 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 you re- i reposted it on tiktok because he said everything i was thinking yeah, the, it's, yeah it's i a like travesty that travesty yeah. to college football that yeah. they are not in that <laughs> yeah and that, it all it was... goes back to money it's it's atrocious um we are going to take a quick break here. I know that was a long rant for you guys to be listening to, but no! we really wanted to talk about it. This is something that's important to us as former college athletes. Um, it's it's ruining the integrity of the game. And we want to hear what you guys think. Uh, comment on one of our Instagram posts. Let us know. We'll post something after this show. Um, just let us know what you guys think. We want to know what everybody is, is thinking about this. All right, folks, we will be right back. We'll be right back with the BJB Show. What's up? This is Mark from Blink-182. Hey, what's up? This is Tommy from Godsmack. Hey, this is John. This is Kurt. We are five for fighting. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm John. I'm Jake. We're Semi-Sonic. And you're listening to... The voice of Elmhurst Rock Variety, WRSE. Welcome back to the DJ Boys How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys show. If you missed that first half, you missed us get a little bit heated about how the NCAA is doing. Um, but now we are going to move on to the NFL, back to what we know best. Uh, when we were talking about the NFL, we wanted to not go through the slate of games this week, uh, as we've kind of been doing with some of the past few shows. It was a little uh, underwhelming, another week of underwhelming football. It's just terrible at this point in time. <laughs> What we do want to talk about is some of the rookie standouts. We haven't really been able to talk about that this season, um, but we wanted to highlight some of these guys that are doing well, some of the guys that may not be doing as well as we thought, and some of the guys that are downright just atrocious this season. Let's start off talking about the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Sackley, what have you seen from him this season that you've enjoyed? Not a darn thing! (laughs) I mean, I do feel I do feel for Bryce Young. He's in probably the worst situation in the NFL currently. No coaching around him, no talent around him. But when watching him, it's like, how is this guy number one overall? Like, I don't see any arm talent. I don't see any crazy plays. He's about five foot six, 140 pounds. It's not looking good. 
I think he will end up being a good quarterback, but not this year. Mm. It's been rough. It's not all his fault. I'm not writing him off yet, but it's been rough. Mm-hmm. Josh, what, what have you felt about Bryce Young this season watching him? You know, they did a whole shopping spree before they got him, and there's really no talent around him. I mean, the only one, maybe Adam Thielen, but he's at the end of his career. Um, you know, there's yeah, like there's really no talent. I mean, if he would have had DJ Moore, maybe would we would have seen a little bit more um, productivity between Carolina. Um, I don't think Frank Reich was the best decision. They obviously let him go midseason, and he's the first coach to be go to be let go midseason twice. Um, and I mean, you know, the I don't know. I think management just got it wrong. Um, obviously with the coaching. But, um, you know, I think they also misjudged getting rid of uh, people in shopping and then not being able to give back to him and to help develop. So Yeah, I mean, you get rid of DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. You let uh person I thought they should have just stayed with Steve Wilkes. And then you go, you get, you get Chark, who's been injured, as he always is. Thielen's been good, but that's about it. Offensive line has regressed. It's just a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the season, you know, every every team or every sports website going into the draft has comparisons for a lot of these players. Bryce Young going into the season, the two uh, websites I've looked at so far, one had him as a Deshaun Watson comparison. The other one had him as a smaller Joe Burrow comparison. How do you feel about those comparisons now, and who would you compare them to now that we're getting towards the end of the season? I still feel kind of good about them. I mean, I don't even – at this point, I don't even know what Deshaun Watson even is or what he was. So, I, I don't really like that one. But Joe Burrow, I can see he's as smart as Joe Burrow. He makes, you know, the correct reads like Joe Burrow. It's just – we can't say he looks like Joe Burrow when he looks like how he looks. Mm-hmm. Josh, what do you think? I can see where Sackley's coming from for the agreement with Joe Burrow, but, I mean, even that for me is a stretch. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe more of, like, a Kyler Murray. You know, I mean, he makes decisions with his feet when he has to and the throwing decisions too, but I feel like, you know, we're looking at a, a smaller guy, not as heavy, scrambling type of quarterback, um, making Last second decisions, I feel like it's more of like a Kyler Murray type of pick or mm-hmm. comparison. Sorry, mm-hmm. I definitely get that. And I, I, what I see that with the Kyler Murray pick is kind of the situation he's in. Yeah, it's constant head coaches changes, and yeah. I feel like that's what Bryce Young is going to have throughout his career, especially at the beginning stages. It's going to be constant co- or head with coach changes. David Tepper running this organization, it's sad that the Panthers, who wants a solid organization, are now going to be the bottom feeder. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. This mm-hmm. David Tepper fellow, the NFL needs to step in. It's bad. I feel bad for the Panthers fans. They're going to be a dumpster fire for years to come mm-hmm. until he sells the team. Yeah, we, had, uh, we had talked before the show about how Dan Schneider ran Washington. I was just about to say that. It's kind of like it's a Dan Schneider. Of comparisons. Would you compare He's, David Tepper to him? Yeah, maybe at least Tepper isn't going out and committing heinous crimes against women. <laughs> but who knows? He might be. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's on that level of football dysfunction, yeah. Not the off-the-field stuff. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. At uh, right now, at least. At least right now. <laughs> Maybe if one of the... I think their cheerleaders are named, like, the Purr Panthers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So if one of them gets, you know, a nice little lawsuit, then 
it's all changed. Oh. With, with going back to Bryce Young, there's talent there. Lots of talent. I've seen a lot of throws so far this season that people put on uh, social media and they say, <laughs> it, this is Bryce Young's fault. This is what the Panthers got out of it. And the one th- throw that I can think of like straight off the top of my head, and I mentioned it on the show before, but I think it was three weeks ago, Bryce Young threw a great ball. And a lot of people said it was a bad ball because of what Jonathan Mingo had to do to get it. But it was a little behind Jonathan Mingo, but it kept him in bounds. Jonathan Mingo was wide open on the sideline. Uh, it kept The ball would have kept him in bounds and allowed him to turn upfield and run upfield. What Jonathan Mingo did was he didn't stop his route, which is what he probably should have done. He just kept running to the sideline. And by the time the ball was where it needed to be, he's passed it already, yeah. jumps backwards to grab the ball, and then jumps out of bounds. This is against the Bears? Um, I don't think it was against the Bears. I think it was the week after the Bears. Oh, he is similar one against the Bears. How is Bryce Young, how, how is he supposed to develop when guys aren't helping him develop? No. My biggest thing is the offensive line is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can't really run. They don't run the ball. They can run the ball because they run it 40 times a game now. They can't run it effectively. And pass pro has been horrendous since the preseason. Now, this Panthers offensive line played very well at the end of the season. Last year, they're young. I was like, this is an emerging good offensive line. Yeah, Bozeman, Ikemekawanu, who's uh, Taylor Moten at right tackle. Guards have been injured this year, so that obviously hasn't helped. But still, with those three guys, you should at least be able to field a decent offensive line. It's mm-hmm. not good. Mm-hmm. Not by any means. And and no court, young quarterback, especially a guy of the stature of Bryce Young, is going to be able to develop behind that type of offensive line. You know, it's yeah. he's going to hit a plateau at one point if he keeps getting hit like that. And now they don't have the resources to build it around them. Mm-hmm. So we got the number one pick, baby. <laughs> like, imagine if the Bears, like, went out, make playoffs, and we still have the number one overall pick. Crazy. Um, kind of going back, and this is the last thing I want to talk about with the Panthers, going back to what you guys were talking about with DJ Moore getting traded, do you think they should have traded Brian Burns instead when they had the chance? Yeah. Your whole move was to go get a franchise quarterback. You trade your franchise wide receiver instead of the defensive end. Your defense is still trash with him. So what's the point? It's a lot easier to find a good edge rusher than it is a franchise receiver. Now all these first-round picks pan out like Quinn Johnston. And we'll talk about him a little bit. Kevin White's of the world. You know, the Laquan Treadwell's of the world. It's a lot easier to go find a guy in the second round, late first round like Brian Burns, and he's your... Franchise edge rusher. You're TJ Watts. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with your edge rusher being your best player. Mm-hmm. Hasn't happened in, what, eight years since the Broncos did it with Vaughn? Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't had... even really their best player. He was probably tied for their best yeah. player because Peyton Manning's throwing 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah but that, 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 was, that was washed, Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. But still, still Peyton Manning. Yeah. And prime Demarius Thomas, RIP. So. It's the end of, end of the career still pretty prime Julius Thomas a tight end yeah. one of the best tight ends in the league and especially now with like you look how we, see, we now see DJ Moore on a regular day to day basis like I didn't know he was this good mm-hmm. like it's a travesty he had to play with like Sam Darnold for a year and a half uh, Bridgewater Luke Getze this year <laughs> Luke Getze this year <laughs> yeah. man if I was DJ Moore I'd I hope I hope, I hope he has a nice like off the field life mm-hmm Hope his wife's nice to him. <laughs> Hope you know his daughter behaves. He's had it rough. <laughs> um, let's move on to our next player. This is a guy that's had a little bit more positive of a season. The number two pick in C.J. Stroud. Um, 
What have you guys liked about C.J. Stroud so far this season? He is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we thought this team was going to be a bottom three team in the league, but these young guys they got around have all played great. We have to give them credit there. The Tank Dells, the Nico Collins of the world. The offensive line's gotten better. Defense is balling out. Will Anderson's arrived. Blake Cashman, who they trade for a six-round pick, has like 120 tackles so far this year. But, man, as a rookie, he took the leadership responsibility. He had guys over to his house. He was just like, come on my back as a rookie. <laughs> That's what he is. They, he's carrying that team to the playoffs. We thought they were going to be a bottom five team in the league. He makes throws I've never seen before. Like, that throw he had, not the touchdown to take down against the table, but the, the throw right before. Right before where he throws it like he's kind of rolling out kind of to his right and throws it to the exact opposite side of the field, frozen rope, straight line, pure spiral. Just right on the money. It was the best throw I've ever seen. And he's running more in the NFL than he ever did in college. Yeah. Like, he's a very good runner and scrambler as a rookie. Like, he could not run last year at Ohio State. So, I don't know what he did in the offseason. It worked. Obviously, it wasn't that S2 test. That doesn't matter. They should just... Rele- that, that test is relegated. <laughs> the test is relegated. We're not doing it anymore. Just like how we have, like, no more SATs. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember we had to take, like, ISATs as a kid and yeah. they let us chew gum during it? It's like that. Horrible. Yeah, um, it was bad. You know, I'll be the first to say I was wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, I did say I did say before... Um, Last season that, uh, you know, CJ Shaw was going to be a bust. I thought Bryce Young was going to be the better out of the two. But, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm admitting it first, and, you know, and he proved me wrong, and I, I love it. You know, the guy, the guy's phenomenal. The dude's – he's winning rookie of the year. He's a beast. Dude's winning rookie of the year regardless. I don't care who else is stepping up. Definitely not Quentin Johnson, and we'll get to that. Um, but also, like, this guy is a rookie in talks of MVP. He's my MVP as of right now. Like, that's insane. I don't know if that's ever been the situation in the past. You probably know more because you're a stats guy. I believe guy. the last time it was in, like, the 40s. I mean, like, and... It may, about, it may have been Johnny Lujak. And talking about guys that have been in conversations where Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, that one, their crazy rookie season that they both had, they both that were in conversations. Yeah, but I, I feel like if CJ Stroud can keep, can keep performing and keep leading the team and being a leader... You know, and hyping up both sides of the ball, I feel like we're looking at rookie of the year and a possible third place MVP. Mm-hmm. This hey, this guy this guy's got it. I think they're gonna win their division. If T Law is out for two three weeks, they're winning this division. I don't I don't trust Gardner Minshew leading the Colts. They play the Jets this week, so that's an automatic dub. Mm-hmm. Jets well, then eight and five. Okay, go ahead. Eight and five. Here, let, me, let me pull up their schedule. I can't just sit up, bro. Don't get. <laughs> Come on, man. I thought you were the guy who knows everything. <laughs> well, they played their division. Yeah, see? His photographic memory only works for <laughs> stuff that happened 20 years ago. Not yeah. right now. <laughs> they got the Titans. That's a dub. Dub, dub. Nine and five. Nine and five. Joe, elite Joe Flacco, Browns. Dub. And it's at home. Browns defense is terrible on the road. Dub. Titans again. Dub. Colts. Eleven and five. Dumb. At Colts, that that game might decide the division. Twelve and five. Twelve and five. Projected to be a t- bottom five team to twelve and five. And you're looking at a solid playoff spot, not a wild card spot. You're looking at a solid what five, four, four seed I mean, if they at, win their at, division. At this rate, yeah. that could be the first seed. Yeah. With how tight 
that the AFC is. In those so you're talking you're talking about a, a team that went and sold everything, and then got what they needed to get in the draft, and you're talking about almost a first round buy. I mean, look at this draft. You got CJ Stroud, and then you you just have the cojones <laughs> to go get trade up and get Will Anderson, who just had his best game of of the season yesterday. Looks like a beast. You'll get my boy Juice Scruggs that I wanted from Penn State as a center. He's playing guard right now. He's, he's healthy now. He's doing good. Then you get my sweet, glorious king in the fourth round. Oh, sorry, third round in Tank Dell. And we'll talk about him a little bit. Sweet Nathaniel. <laughs> you get Dylan Horro. Okay, I don't really know much about him. But then you get Henry Toho from Alabama. That's your franchise for right now, one of your starting linebackers. Jared Patterson, a good you know depth sign. He started earlier in the year, I believe. You get Xavier Hutchinson, who's kind of a steal. He, that guy should have been like a second-round pick. He's producing a little bit, but that's a draft and a half right there. That's not even mentioning the guys that are already on the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. you go out, you, you uh, give a six-round pick for Blake Cashman. He has 120 tackles this year. Stud. Nico Collins has exploded onto the scene this season. Yes. Laramie Tunsil is consistently one of the best left tackles in football. Yes. Set Singletary looks like the Bills made a mistake. Yeah. Oh, which makes my... me sad because Damian Pierce is now garbage. Pierce is <laughs> destroyed. But that's that's the only guy that we can look at this season and be like, yeah, that was that's the only thing that's failed off. Yeah, I've never seen a running back like get washed after one season. <laughs> It's kind of nuts. I don't know, man. I remember those Chris Ivory years. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but Chris Ivory had like two or three of those years. <laughs> then Lovey Smith just said, yeah, Damien, you're going to get about 30 carries a game. <laughs> and we're going to play defense and run the ball, Tampa 2, coverage. I did in Chicago. It's going to work. And they went like 3 And then and the younger Lovey Smith came in and D'Amico Ryan said, yeah, no, that's not going to work. And said, yeah. And then he said, I'm going to help Chicago out real quick. <laughs> Shout out, Lovey Smith. I don't Lovey Smith, man. Uh, Going back to our comparisons, um, I'm looking at a couple sites, like I said. CBS Sports doesn't even have a comparison for CJ Stroud because <coughs> they didn't feel like he was a top-five quarterback after the Crazy, man. Every other position, they have the top-five players. In this, they have Hendon Hooker and Dorian Thompson-Robinson for comparisons. The other site I was looking at, or not for CJ Stroud, but those guys got comparisons over him. Um, the other site I'm looking at compares CJ Stroud to a healthy Sam Bradford before the season. How, did you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Nope. See my computer right here. Nah, that's disrespect. Zachary's face. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like so neat. The stickiest fart on earth. What's the name of that r- journalist? Touchdown Wire. And the person who wrote the article, this is a part of USA Today, so it's a reputable source. Um, the man who wrote the article was Doug Ferrer. Count your days. Count your days. Doug Fair, you have a limited time remaining on this earth. <laughs> I advise you enjoy it. Go to church. Because it is limited. The unspeakable things that will commence. The man in the hat will come after you. The man in the hat will come after you. Uh, no, nah, that, that's, that's a horrible comparison. I would say... <laughs> <laughs> you, you go first. You go first. Who, who are you comparing him to? After seeing him play, the improvisation, the insane throws, the arm, it's Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Or Herbert. A little shorter, obviously. But that's who I'm going to give it to. The amount of athleticism, the scrambling. It's like a Mahomes-Herbert. I, I'd probably give him like a Jalen Hurts. Just taller, more athletic. I feel like he makes better decisions than Hurts. Um, 
and I mean, Hertz probably has a better arm, but this dude, throw, especially going to that that Sunday game, throwing that, bro, that 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 missile, that tightrope, that that tightrope sound effects, bro, throwing that across body, running to the right, all the way to the left, on the opposite side, fifty three yards. We're talking about ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That that's insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go a little different different than you guys. I want to go a little bit back in time. A guy like Donovan McNabb, who yeah. just carried his teams during those times. And you mean Jay Culler? I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Donovan McNabb on those Eagles teams, he wasn't the most athletic guy, but he could scare you if you let him get out of that pocket. And then he just the throws that he makes and the exciting way that he plays football just reminds me of those videos I've seen of Donovan McNabb and what I've heard about a player like that. Um, Obviously, I mean, not obviously, but I feel like C.J. Stroud is going to have a better career than Donovan McNabb ended up having. But at the same time, there's just so much intrigue there with a guy like that. And it's so much fun to watch a guy like that. It's just a guy that has fun playing football. And I hope he never stops having fun playing football because right now it's it's awesome. Um, Let's keep going down with the quarterbacks here. The next player taken at number four Anthony Richardson his season got cut short this year what did you like before he got hurt he was passing the ball a lot better than I thought he I thought it was gonna be ugly as a rookie but he looked good out there I was impressed I thought he was only gonna run but he showed that he could do both but more or less the throwing yeah he could he was throwing it he looked good I was impressed it's a shame he got hurt Mm -hmm. um is there anything you didn't like that you saw (coughs) from him in those weeks taking them hits yeah Honestly, the hits and the timing at which, you know, he was getting them, it ruined it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see him come back, you know. Yeah, I'm excited to see him come back next season. He'll come back healthier, stronger, smarter, because these mental reps he's taking are insane, you know. And he's seeing what not to do and what to do, especially from a guy like Gardner Minshew, who's been in the league before. I love Minshew. And he's watch- even though he's not playing, he's watching film. I mean, hopefully – you know, hopefully it's not a Johnny Manziel case where it's like he has zero hours on his iPad, you know. But he's watching film. He's learning. That's all you can ask this kid to do is just learn. Mm-hmm. Learn, then put the work in, take the mental reps, put the physical reps in. You're looking at a very, very good Colts quarterback, man. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see the future of this Colts team being with a guy like Anthony Richardson based on what they've been able to do without him this season? I think they could win their division next year. I mean, they could be like, it's the best Colts team we've seen since like Peyton Manning. They're gonna, I feel like they're going to draft well. They always draft well. They don't, now that they cut Darius Leonard, who are they really paying? Mm-hmm. Buckner? That's about it. Yeah. The most you have to do Taylor. is, is what? Keep Nelson. Uh, keep Nelson happy, really? Cause then you you have a solidified guard in your in your system already, right? And he he's credible, he's credible. I wanted the Bears to grab him because that dude's credible. The guy's awesome, but you get him, maybe um, hopefully not. Like the Bears can steal him at five or four. Get Fashanu from Penn State. Oh my God, that guy's ridiculous. <laughs> that guy's an athlete. He's a freak. Um, but you up you give him a little bit more upgrades, and then you you touch the defense up here and there, man. You're looking at a very good Colts team that's gonna go toe to toe with the Texans. Uh-huh. They are gonna have to pay Michael Pittman this offseason if they want to keep him. How important is a guy like that to the development of a guy like Anthony? He's Richardson? playing well. He's a big receiver. Richardson isn't the most accurate. I'd keep him around. 
How much is he worth to you, if you're, if you're say? 12 to 13, 12 to 14 million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give him, like, a guaranteed portion up front. Mm-hmm. But, like, three, four years more. Maybe That's not, like, anything bigger. Like, Mike Evans, I could see them giving him, you know, you're talking about a tenth of a thousand yard ga- uh, season for ten, ten years in Rona. Yeah, but the problem is it's ten years. Yeah. yeah. So he's kind of older. I mean, I get it, but like, dude, he. Yeah, I'd, you're producing. Pay, I'd pay Evans as well. Yeah, you're producing. Yeah. Looking at the comparisons from before the season, um, obviously the easy comparison for a lot of people is the Cam Noon comparison, but these two websites I have have a little bit of a different look at it. Um, they have Josh Allen at Wyoming on the CBS Sports one. So not current Josh Allen, but they said Josh Allen at Wyoming. And then uh, Doug Ferrer, I know you guys are going to love this one too, he had him as Colin Kaepernick. How do you feel about those comparisons, and how do you feel about them now after you've seen him play in the NFL for a little bit? I get the Kaepernick because he's, like, athletic, but they're two very different style of runners. Mm-hmm. It's Cam Newton. He's literally just a new version of Cam Newton. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's the size of a defensive end. And, I mean, I, I would agree with the Cam Newton one, but, like, just to go by, like, a section of him, his arm reminds me of a Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Michael Vick could launch that ball, bro. And this kid can too. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited for him to get healthy and just like get more accurate and launch cuz then you're look and if he can get faster, then you're looking at a taller Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Colin Kaepernick comparison, he uh, Doug Ferrer mentions kind of the same thing as you is that Colin Kaepernick was a 95 mile per hour pitcher before he entered the NFL. So, he could have had more experience there, but he has that arm talent too. Um Kind of going back to the Cam Newton comparison, do you think Anthony Richardson has the same MVP ceiling as Cam Newton had? I think it could be higher. I mean, if they if they surround him with the right tools, and like I said, it goes back to the mental, physical reps and stuff like that, and that and he can get healthy, maybe uh, not beef up because the kid's huge already, mm-hmm. dude's massive, but like you know, strengthen what he needs to to. Obviously, you can't prepare for injuries, but you know, do what you got to do, and you surround him with what he needs. My God, you could be looking at the better version of Cam Newton that there ever was. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our last quarterback that we wanted to talk about, a guy that kind of at the opposite of Anthony Richardson got a shot in the second half of the season. Let's talk about Will Levis a little bit. Boo, I'm sorry. What have you liked about him this season, Josh, if you've liked anything at all? I mean, the one the one play last Sunday, uh, just this last Sunday, the heads-up play where the his arm got hit, the ball was tipped in the air, the defense – they were playing the Colts, too. The defender intercepted the ball, but him being aware of what's happening, he went up and took the ball back from the defender, basically. And um, I think they marked him down. I didn't see the full play, but then he ran, basically ran it all the way back for a touchdown. But then, you know, he was down by contact or whatever. But being that aware and knowing, like, oh, no, a mistake just happened, but let me go do something about it instead of who who was it? Um... Oh my God! I can't remember the wide receiver from the Steelers, Deontay Johnson. Is that his name? Yeah. Like when the when he when the, their own running back fumbled and the ball rolled right past him, he just stood there and turned around and walked away. Like his awareness is good, and also him like kind of chirping back at DeAndre Hopkins. I thought was pretty good because he's not just like Hopkins bending is over. A turd. He's not bending <laughs> over backwards to a guy who's a veteran and who you're looking at like a Hall of Fame wide receiver, like. He's not backing down, you know. He's actually giving him lip and being like, come on, like, you know, 
this and this isn't right, whatever, you know, like he was angry. He was upset because he knows that it could be better. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's all I'm going to reach for for him. Exactly what have you liked about Will I think his downfield, down the field accuracy, he hasn't turned the ball over either. I like he's, he seems to be very in control of the offense. Mm-hmm. I like how he's played. I thought he was going to be very raw. He doesn't look that. It's just he's playing for the Titans. Mm-hmm. So I think he's played very well this year. Yeah. Um, coming in as a second-round pick, what expectations? I know exactly you said you felt like he was going to be raw. Josh, what <coughs> expectations did you have for Will Levis? I honestly thought they – I didn't think Tannehill was going to get hurt that early. Mm-hmm. I honestly – and I obviously I know that the Titans don't like Malik Willis that much. <laughs> I think they hate Mike Malik Willis. Hates <laughs> yeah, Malik Willis. I mean, I I understand, but you know, I thought when he was gonna get in, it was just gonna be a bunch of like turnovers, bad choices, this and that, and whatever. But I gotta give it to the dude when credits due, and I mean, he was calm, collected. He had an amazing game when he started with DeAndre Hopkins. What three touchdowns for him? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for a better first start from the kid. You know, and I mean, all all credit to him, but you know, I honestly thought it was gonna be worse. Uh, I I thought it was gonna be we were gonna see another CJ Stroud be a bust, this and that, whatever. But you know, prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. What what do you think a ceiling of a guy like Will Levis is now that you've seen him get some NFL play this season? Maybe like a Josh Allen type of level, um, but like always losing to that one guy like Mahomes, you know. But like in his like you know level. Um, you know, oh, just always losing to that one guy that he can never get past, that type of thing. But like a Josh Allen, like plateau kind of level. <laughs> <laughs> like a Josh, yeah. It's too early to tell. We don't know what's gonna happen with the Tennessee Titans. We is Rabel gonna come back? They have to kind of have to do a full rebuild. We don't know yet because we don't know where that team's going. Mm-hmm. As long as he stops eating banana peels and mayonnaise on his coffee, he'll be all right. Um, you know, kind of going distracted anymore with that hot girlfriend of his. They broke up. <laughs> Major L, buddy. Going back to what Josh had said, and this is the video I saw uh, yesterday too, was the one of the fumble, the interception turned fumble where he just fought. He kept, he kept going. A guy like that, it shows so much promise to me. I'm a big, I'm a big person, uh, or a big uh, evaluator of character when it comes to watching guys play. And that's part of the reason I don't like Caleb Williams. But I, I put a lot into, in, in all sports, the way and the intensity a guy plays. You know, sometimes it's not about their actual talent. But if they go out there and play hard, that's an extra five points for me. I, I love that out of the guy. And everything I've seen from Will Levis so far is that he goes out there and will play hard for whoever he's playing for. The Titans are not a good football team. He could have very easily done exactly what you said Deontay Johnson did and thrown that pick and walked off the field. Because it wouldn't have mattered. The season's not going to matter for the Titans besides his development. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing they're looking at right now. They don't care what Derrick Henry does. They don't care what DeAndre Hopkins does. All they care is that Will Levis, is, or, Will Levis or Malik Wills, that they're finding a future quarterback. And I think the way that Will Levis has played so far and the way in which he carries himself and he, he plays for this team proves that they have something there. There's not a lot of guys in the league, and you know, talking about the NCAA earlier, there's not a lot of guys that still do that, I feel. There's a lot of guys that are more worried about their money and more worried about their future, and it seems like he's worried about the now. He's worried about fighting for his spot on this team, and I think that's extremely important to his future. So giving him a Josh Allen ceiling is not unreasonable to me. I think a lot of people might say that's unreasonable, but 
looking at what Josh Allen has done, he's a guy who fights for his team. You know, the past few years, we haven't really seen that. He's a guy who had to fight for a spot, had to fight for that respect. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot in Will Levis, too. Looking at some of these pre-draft comparisons, uh, the two that I have right here, one is from NFL Network. They had him as Jay Cutler. and then uh, Yeah, he cares more than Cutler. We know that. And the other one was Jordan Love from CBS Sports. Doug Farrer didn't even have a comp for Cycle hates Doug Farrer. Count your days, buddy. Um, how do you feel about days. those two comparisons? I like the, um, what was the first one? Jay, Jay Cutler. Cutler. I like that one. Gunslinger, strong arm, about 6'2", 6'3", can kind of run. I like that one. I think he definitely cares more than Jay Cutler. He has a better character to him than Jay Cutler, so that's, that's always a positive. I I also am a big defender of Jay Cutler. I feel yeah. like he had the character yeah. beaten out of him. Yeah, he got it beaten, <laughs> smacked out of him, but, man, he really didn't care at the end. Yeah. He was just... <laughs> Smoking Jay. <laughs> Smoking Jay. I love Cutler. He, he deserved much better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I th- I like that. That comp. What about the Jordan Love comp? Mm. They just don't different body types, different styles. And what isn't this the first full season Jordan Love starting? Yeah, I need to so see like, more I, out of Jordan yeah, Love. Yeah, that's that's a un, that's not a very good comparison. We see some very highs from Jordan Love, and yeah. we see some very lows from Jordan Love. So we need to see more. Yeah, the Jay Cutler one should have been the only one <laughs> that he really made a comparison. Could he? <laughs> Um, the the thing with Jordan Love, the thing with Jordan Love, and what I do understand about that comparison is the idea that they both felt like they needed a little seasoning going into the going into the league, that they needed a little time to figure stuff out and sit behind uh, veterans and figure out what's going on. Now the difference is, I think if Jordan Love is thrown into the Packers halfway through that season, he doesn't have the same success that Will Levis has had. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. I think Will Levis had. A little bit more seasoning, if well, we're talking about that. Levis is better with chaos around him. Love, mm-hmm. unless if the O-line's playing great, great game plan, he's kind of like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Levis is, what does he have around him? He's got, like, one offensive lineman. <laughs> Peter Skaronsky. He's got, he's got one washed receiver. He's got a decent run game, but they kind of just overdo it with that. And half the time, they really can't even run it at all. Yeah, they either overdo it or don't do it at all. It's no. Yeah, it's happy either oh, 200 yards or like 36 yards on a t- 29 carries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see Will Levis. Um, I wasn't down on him like I was C.J. Stroud, kind of what Josh had said earlier. But I also didn't really have a lot of high hopes for him. And after seeing what he has done this season for that Tennessee Titans team, even if they're not winning football games, I still like what I've seen. I'm a, I'm a fan of what I've seen from him. And there's a lot of periods this season, kind of going back to the char- character thing, where he could have blown up at fans. He could have said some things and been mad about the way people were talking about him, but he never did. He was unapologetically himself and went out there and just played football. And that's what I like to see from a guy. And I think that's something Jay Culler kind of did well, even if he didn't care at the end of his career. He was criticized his entire career. And he just kind of went out there and played football. And that's what you need from a guy like that. And that's what I like about that Jay Cutler comparison. Um, let's move on from quarterbacks. Let's talk about the best defensive player in this draft. And probably one of the few good defensive players coming out of this draft so far, Jalen Carter. Woo. What have you liked from Jalen Carter so far this season? Just the – when I look at his reps, it's just how fast he wins these reps. Like it's within like half a second to a second and a half where he's just already at the quarterback's lap. 
the speed, the athleticism, the power, it's just all there. He just needs to work on the mental side. Can't be crying against the fort. There's no crying in football. Can't be doing that. But as long as he just, you know, stays cool, he'll be fine. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. He's a beast. Like, he's very, very good. Yeah. Before he got hurt missed a couple games, he might have, like, won, like, defensive. Yeah, I think he still won defensive rookie of the year. But he was, like, arguably the best D tackle in the league. Straight out of college. Mm-hmm. Like, his first game, he had, like, eight pressures. It was nuts. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's He's awesome. He's going to be there a long time. Yeah. Josh, what what have you liked out of Jalen Carter so far? I mean, dudes, the dude's mentality. I mean, even when they're winning, like, it's still, like, let's go to work, but let's have fun. I mean, Sackley said you shouldn't be crying this and that, but I think show, crying and doing all that type of stuff shows emotion and the love for the game. Mm-hmm. The guy, The guy loves the game. You know, whether or not he knows their team is the best, and obviously every player on their team is going to say they're the best unless they're the commanders or whatever. <laughs> I'm tired of this, man. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that, that shows passion. That shows love for the game, and I, I, I love seeing that. And I hate the people that decided to clown him, and he clowned them back. And I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he did. He clapped back in a respectful manner. And well, disrespectfully to them, you know, because Sank basically told them they're poor and he's not. So I mean, I don't care. I root for him all day, because that was that was hilarious. He shouldn't have got made fun of in the first place. But I mean, dude, this kid's energy's different, man. Every time he steps on that field, it's it's balls to the wall. That guy is just going crazy, you know. Whether or not it's him getting the sack, TFL, a half sack, whatever it is, man, he's always in that backfield. He's always putting the quarterback under pressure and making games tough, you know. And, I mean, that San Fran game was just so unfortunate because Brock Purdy was just on his game. That dude could not be stopped, man. And, um, you know, it, it it's, it's one game. One game doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Two losses doesn't define you. The Bears 4-8 doesn't define us. <laughs> I wish. Um, but, you know, like, hey, I mean, he's keeping his head up. He's going to work. He's... He's putting in the work, and that's what matters. I mean, this kid is in – he's in that spot already for defensive rookie of the year. The guy has the award in his hand right now. <laughs> like, that's it, you know? Like, it's just – it's done with. Um, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, Josh, on the whole crying situation. Um, going into the draft, a lot of the questions about Jalen Carter were if he cared enough. Yeah. If he was going to come into an organization and just give up. People were worried about the weight that he had put on. People were worried about the racing incident. People were worried about whether or not football truly mattered to him or if this was about having fun and just doing whatever you want. And what I have seen so far this season is that he does care. He does. It's very obvious. What he has done for this Eagles team may not be completely, I don't know, they have one of the best defense lines in football. They've mm-hmm. had one of the best defense lines in football. They had Jordan Davis ready to step up, which he's another guy who's played extremely well this season. Shout out to Jordan Davis. Um, he was going to come in and supposed to really learn, but he's taken on this whole new approach to his game that I don't think people had expected of him going into this year. And, yeah, you can go and say, oh, he's not a man for crying. It's It's – it's weird that he's out there crying, you know, after the one loss. You know, they this is the second loss of the season for them, and he's crying. Yeah, yeah I, I get, I guess, where you're coming from, but I don't agree. 
It's he cares. That's all that it is. If he was on an 0 and 13 team and he was crying, you know, people wouldn't clown him. They would say, "Yeah, I feel you, dog." Like <laughs> yeah, everyone, I, everyone loves when Dan Campbell cries exactly. after the game. Like what? What is the difference? Yeah, let and, the kid. He's a young man, fighting for his reputation. And I'd rather have him cry and show that he cares rather than have Stefan Diggs stand in the background and stare just for a picture motivation. Like, yeah, I get that, but you're just doing that just to like you know kind of hit the media. Mm-hmm. This guy was doing it because. One, he cared that he lost a game. A game. It, it's a game, you know. Like he lost the game, bro. Like that. That should sh- that should tell you everything. It's not like he lost his mom or this and that, or they told him you're you're suspended the rest of the season. He lost a game, and he knew that he could he could have done so much more to help them win, and it hit him, and he realized it, and he got sad. Mm-hmm. Why are you clowning him? Um, looking at his draft comparisons, I have three of them from each of the sites I've looked at. Number one from NFL Network, Jeff Simmons, the Titans defensive tackle. Number two from CBS, you had um, Ndamukong Sue. And then from our good buddy Gerard over there in uh, USA Today, he had Chris Jones. How do you feel about those three comparisons? Good with them. I had him as a Warren Sapp, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he's going to be that good. I was waiting for you to say Warren Sapp. I, w- I was honestly waiting he's for he's tall. Duncan Sue's only like 6'2", 6'3". Uh, Chris Jones, I think he's just a different player. And what was the other one? Jeff Simmons. Simmons isn't that. He, Simmons is good, but he's not that special. Mm-hmm. He'll yeah. be meh, in like two years. Did you have a feeling that Jalen Carter was going to be that special? Yeah, I knew he was going to do it. It was just a question of whether or not he was going to shoot someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's what it all was. It was just all worrying, and this and that. I mean, if if we didn't have to worry about anything, the Bears would have took them. Mm-hmm. But there was just too much risk and worrying that people were that was just floating around, and no one knew how hard this kid wanted it and wanted to work and win. That it kind of just that part just flew everyone over everyone's head. But then the Eagles were like, you know what, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And one, because they have the whole entire Georgia defense on their team. <laughs> but, I mean, they knew that this kid would, you know, honestly, it was probably his own teammates that vouched for him and said, hey, you know, I'll keep him accountable, this and that. He's going to work. You don't have to worry about him. I honestly think that's the only reason why they took him. Mm-hmm. And I, I will 100% love the fact if that was to come out, you know, as to why they actually drafted him. That's respect. Yeah, and he's a beast. Yeah, dude, dude is strong. Regard, regardless of weight put on or not, he's a freak. He's a freak of an athlete. Mm-hmm. But the fact that his te- if if it's true what I'm saying that his teammates backed him when they were like, "We got him. You don't have to worry. Pick him up right now, and we're gonna go far." Dude, that's that's love right there. You had mentioned the Chicago Bears passing on. Let's move over to their first round pick in Darnell Wright. You know, we gotta talk about the Bears. We gotta talk about our offensive linemen. What have you liked out of Darnell Wright so far this season? He's a moose. Yeah. Like, he's – as a rookie, he was amazing in the run game. His pass pro start the season was kind of rough, but it's been getting better and better every single week. Yeah. Like, he's legitimate now. Like, yeah. by the end of the season, he's going to be one of the best right tackles in the league. He's physical. Being as big as he is, he moves very well when he pulls. And like I've said, it's a moose. It's just – it's just antlers to the chin. 
Like when he pulled on that touchdown against the Rams, I was, no, not the Rams, the Chargers. I was like, whoa. Yeah, that was that was terrifying. And then you're talking about. Obviously, I agree with him. The pass pro was a little bit shaky, but I think one of his best pass pros was when he was hurt going against Max Crosby. That guy was he playing, shut Crosby. He down. was playing with one arm, one arm, and people don't understand until they watch the film. He was playing with one arm because the other shoulder was messed up, and he was stopping Max Crosby clamped from getting him. to Justin. Clamped him every play. It was awesome. Like I could not agree with Sackley more that this kid is going to be one of the best right tackles I've done this season. Mm-hmm. And then if we can get him an actual offensive line coach that doesn't look like Sackley, and a guy who's big and knows what he's doing, oh my god. Like, the sky's the limit for this D- this O-line, man. Sidebar. I work with a guy who played for the Lions in 87. Steve Yurick. I don't know if you know that name, Sackley. Not familiar. <laughs> yeah, he played for them in 87. It was a really cool fact. Alright, let's go. <laughs> Thank you for the sidebar. That was a uh, Sackley moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Um... What what do you expect out of this guy moving forward in the Chicago Bears organization? I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, he'll be the best right tackle in the league by the end of his third year. I mean, you get you get him to get on um, pass pro better because his run game is there. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a moose, full headlights. He's to- <laughs> he's totaling your car. You're done for. You got insurance ain't covering nothing, man. His run game is beautiful, but. You know, you get him on that pass pro and not have to not block with just one arm, and you get him there and set. Oh my God, bro! <laughs> he was he was clamping Crosby with literally just yeah. one arm. He's just like, all right, I'm gonna hold you right here with this one arm. You're gonna stay here, there, buddy. No, really. And you get him set, and then you can get Braxton Jones or we draft Fashanu from Penn State at left tackle. Oh my God! Well, Braxton Jones has been playing pretty well lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm happy about that as well. But, my God, dude, this guy's a little bit for this kid. Mm-hmm. Compared to some of the other offensive tackles that came out of the first few rounds of this draft, is there anybody else you would want more than him? Nope. He's outperformed Paris Johnson. That was the only guy coming into the year I thought. Hey, I wish we could have got him. Paris Johnson's getting bull rushed across the field. by. How's like, Broderick Jones doing? Sorry, I don't mean to cut he you. He was a bench he's, to start the year, and then he, now he's at right tackle instead of left. He was playing. In one game I saw him he was, against the Titans, he was playing very, very well. But not as good as Darnell Wright. Mm-hmm. And that offense is terrible. Well, there you go. That answers your question. So there really isn't anyone else. Uh, the one other player that you may have talked about and Josh you had mentioned before, would you rather have Jalen Carter over him? Looking back at it now, looking at what happened on draft day, would you rather have Jalen Carter? Yeah. It's just we could have gotten the right tackle in free agency. Until we got Jalen Carter and Montez Sweat on the same side, our defense would be legit. It's not that I don't like right. It's just it's a bigger need to mm-hmm. de-tackle yeah. pass rusher. But, I mean, I mean, Billings is showing his worth, you know. Um, Billings is just made of gold. Yeah, we're, we're tied for first with San Fran in run defense. I mean, he's, he's showing that that extension was worth it. I think he just he needs to keep going. Uh, Justin Jones, we need to get out of here ASAP. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to say no that we didn't make the wrong or the right decision, you know, and that we should have taken Jalen Carter. Yeah, but we I didn't fe- make the wrong decision. It's yeah. just the sexier decision was Jalen Carter. Yeah. But I feel like we solidified a right tackle for our team and our franchise for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then getting rid of everything else. But I'm going to get an Andrew Billings jersey. 
He he works in there. He's a little he's a little chunky monkey. Like little <laughs> like he's like six foot three fifteen. He's just a little chunky. Mm-hmm. Um looking at the two comparisons <laughs> that I have here for Darnell Wright, Josh, I don't know one of these guys, so I don't know if you'll know one of these guys. But Sackley, I want to ask you about this and the I'll read the breakdown of it. They compared Darnell Wright on the touchdown wire. Uh, the U.S. Today one, to Kareem McKenzie. He stank. <laughs> he was the worst offensive lineman on the Giants 2011. He started for the Giants for like eight, nine years, and after that Super Bowl, just never played again. Mm-hmm. He was not very good, so I don't like that one. Mm-hmm. Was that Gerrard? Uh, yeah, that was Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other comparison was DJ Fluker. That was from NFL Network. He's not as fat as Fluker. Luger just couldn't move. Rumbling one game, tremendous. Couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's like ripped and jacked. He looks like a god. Going into the season and after those first few weeks, do you feel like that DJ Fluker comparison is a little more reasonable if you don't count the last couple weeks? I understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, I understand. But he's way more athletic than DJ Fluker. He can move way better than Fluker. So, I, I, I can see it, mm-hmm. um, especially let, at first. Let's move on to some of these wide receivers, because that's kind of been the most surprising position out of this NFL draft so far. Let's talk about one of the biggest surprises of the NFL draft. Let's talk about Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua! Um, what, what have you liked out of him so far this year? The route running, hands. It really is just the reincarnation of Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Helps stays with Sean McVay. I'm sure he probably wouldn't be as good without Sean McVay in that offense, but mm-hmm. he looks fantastic. He th- catches everything thrown to him. I haven't seen him drop one the whole year. Runs awesome routes. Attention to detail. Just a good receiver. Mm-hmm. Josh, what have you liked out of Puka Nicole? Um, I mean, the dude stepped up when he needed to, knowing that, you know, he's – he didn't come in to replace, but he came in and stepped up and took the role from a guy who won a triple crown, you know, and that that's huge, you know, and that's it's a, it's a lot of a burden, but he showed out mm-hmm. and showed up. And, I mean, it's been up and down ever since, you know, because he had a really good start to the season, but it's been up and down because of the whole team being in, under injury and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, this kid, this kid you're looking at, I mean, who knows, possibly a triple crown or whatever, you know, having those uh, – thousand yard receiving whatever you know like the sky's the limit for this kid but it's just you have to put him in a system especially right now he's in a great system with sean McVay. but you have to also put him like say he wants to leave this and that you got you you have to find the system for him mm-hmm. you know where he's gonna be utilized and not the hunter renfro coming off the sideline every now and then you know um and you give you get you pair him with a quarterback a good quarterback you know matt stafford when healthy dude that, that's a really good quarterback, you know. But, I mean, you know, it, it's it's hard to find that these days because asking prices are tough and giving away picks are tough and this and that. But the dude, got, he has three more years with the Rams, you know. And, I mean, if Stafford's out the door, you have Carson Wentz, which it's not a bad, it's not a bad guy to step in and fill that role. But, I mean, like I said, it starts with pairing him in a, in a good system, and right now Sean McVay has that set. Do you think he has the same kind of success in another system with a not as notable head coach? 
I would say yeah, because it just depends on how they utilize him. Like I said, it can't be like a Hunter Renfro coming off the sideline every now and then. Mm-hmm. It has to be like this guy needs to start because we've seen what he can do. And we've seen what kind of numbers and what kind of progress we can have down the field every time to get us where we need to be. I feel like you can put him in any system, but you have to use him. You cannot let him deteriorate on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, looking at his draft profiles, none of the websites have a comparison for him. So let's make our own comparison. From what you have seen so far, exactly you had said Cooper Cup. Is there any other names that you would put in there? You like at Eric Decker. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say Steve Smith Sr. Well, because he's senior now. His son's a junior. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at a guy like that, Steve Smith, the only thing that I would disagree with that is Steve Smith had speed to him. And he's I don't think Puka, has, Puka doesn't have the same speed, doesn't it isn't the same kind of build. But I do kind of understand where you're coming from. A guy that was, you know, kind of looked down on has kind of stepped up in, into a new role. Yeah. Um, the other guy that I would uh, look at here is just based off the route running, and based off of uh, the way he can just make great plays no matter where the ball is thrown. And growing up in Wisconsin, I saw a lot of Jordy Nelson. And, you know, he's a smaller receiver too, but in the same way that he runs routes just so crisp, he finds ways to get open no matter where he is. And you had mentioned Hunter Renfro before, and that's also another guy who just runs extremely crisp routes. He's not going to beat you over the top, but if you get the ball into his hands – or even before the ball's in his hands, he's going to make magic happen. Yeah, I mean, Cole Beasley. It, that's another Cole group. Beasley. It's yeah. just one of those really solid slot receivers. Yeah. And I don't see the same ceiling in, in uh, Puka Nakua as I do in Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. I think what we're seeing right now, which is a phenomenal season from him, is probably the ceiling that we're going to get. And I don't see a triple crown winner. I don't see a guy who's going to lead the league in receiving yards yeah. for an entire season. But I do see a guy that's going to help you win championships. Yeah. All the guys we have named so far are guys that have been extremely important to teams in their playoff runs. You know, Jordy Nelson helped the Packers win the Super Bowl. I hate Jordy Nelson. (laughs) Hunter Renfro was a godsend that one season when the Raiders were fighting for the playoffs. Shame they don't use him anymore. Exactly. It really is. I don't know why they don't use him anymore. You know, Cole Beasley continuously gets contracts every year from the Bills and the Cowboys because because he's a guy that can help you in the playoffs. He's a guy that's going to bring a winning mentality, and I see that with Puka Nakua. We're going to go. We don't have a lot of time left. We wanted to talk about a couple more guys. Um, I do want to ask you guys about one player uh, before we go, though, and that was a guy that we mentioned a couple times. Is there any promise for a guy like Quentin Johnson? Going if he can forward? just catch the ball, he'll be fine. Yeah, I I feel like he's letting it all get to his head with the fame and the money and this and that. I feel like he's not really focusing on uh, techniques and this and that and really, like, locking in to the sport. I feel like, you know, what do you say on draft day? Mom, put your two weeks in, retired. I mean, you can't blame him for when he retires. Mom, yeah, but. you can't blame him, but I feel like he's letting the financial side of things get to his head. And obviously you can't say financial things are messing with his ability to catch a ball, but mentally, yeah. you can. Physically, no. On the bright side, he did have his most productive game of the season two days ago, 5 for 52. If he would have just caught that last one, he wouldn't have been made fun of again, and he would have had like 70 yards. So mm-hmm. that's a positive. <laughs> He just needs to catch the ball and get better at route running. That's all he needs to do. 
And you cannot ask for a better quarterback. Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You can't. You you have to look at yourself in the mirror. You cannot look at the quarterback in this situation. Um, looking at his draft day analysis, I'm only looking at NFL Network for this one just because I don't trust the other sites. But um, <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey was his draft day comparison. Do you feel like he could have the same yeah. success in the league? Alshon, Alshon was never – Alshon could have been great, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's the vibes I get from Quentin Johnson. He's got all the tools to be great, but he's not going to be great. Mm-hmm. Same thing with I, I can't even see Brandon Marshall. B. Marsh was great. He just was mentally unstable. <laughs> I can see that happening here with all the clowning that's happening. Yeah, possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Quinn Johnson has the talent. It's just something needs to click for him. Yeah, and that's that's all it is. All right, folks, we are going to be done here uh, tonight. This is our second to last show. Please tune in next week. That is going to be our last show ever. That's going to be the last Blue Jay boys. <laughs> it's going to be a sad day, but we're going to have a great show for you guys. Um, you know, I love doing this show. I dread this last show coming up. But, again, it's going to be a great show. If you missed anything from this show tonight, be sure to tune in on Spotify. We'll be putting this on there right after this. So stay tuned for that, especially if you want to hear us rant about the NCAA in that first half of the episode. Yes. All right, folks. Love you all. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good night.